Welcome to another episode of 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. This is episode number 43. Today is Wednesday, September 5th, 2012. I am one of your hosts, Scott Barstow. I am the other of your hosts, Anders Brownworth. On today's show, as our show subtitle hints at, we like to talk a lot about... We just like to talk a lot. Yeah, that's really that's really the gist of it. But we like to talk about technologies that we think impact business for the better. People doing interesting things that have an impact on a company's bottom line and allow them to do their job better. And we were at lunch last week, and I posed the question to the group of which you were a part, and there was actually one other. Yeah. Does technology deliver consistently on the promise. And the promise of technology is things like convenience, saving time, reducing costs, making a company more profitable, operation, you know, better operational effectiveness, yep. and things like that. And reducing so the, complexity. Reducing yeah. complexity. Then the, the question that I would pose to you at the start of the show is how often do you think for every $100 invested in technology, what do you think the return is on average? On average, I think it's, uh, it's very, very low, surprisingly low. There's a few companies that have been able to make products that actually are more, you know, are more efficient or at least you know, leaps and bounds more efficient than you were and sort of deliver on the promise and then get out of the way. Uh, Apple is the obvious example with the iPhone uh, and other products. But I think for the most part, I mean, you see a lot of software organizations that are well down the road in their product life cycle and they're building out ever more features that uh, a smaller and smaller slice of their customer will actually understand and then even smaller than that use. And so I think for the most part, uh, those dollars are are relatively squandered. What do you think? I, I would actually disagree with you on the iPhone, and here's why I say that. I think the average person uses their iPhone. There's a lot of people with iPhones. First of all, I mean a ton. Really? Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> actually, the the Samsung uh, uh, three has just started to outsell the iPhone 4s. Interesting. I, uh, yeah, it's a seminal moment. Anyway. So the, but the iPhone, I would venture to say that I'm just going to throw just crazy statistics out here that have n- absolutely no basis in fact. But in let's reality, say that good. let's say that 70 percent of iPhone users use less than 15 percent of the ca- of the capacity of the device. Ah, uh, see, but there's a difference between the capacity of the device and everything you need to do to solve whatever the job is that that device was hired to uh, to do. Okay, so let's say I hired the iPhone. I went out and I dropped 300 bucks or 500 bucks or 700 bucks on an iPhone. And I expect it to make phone calls, okay. s- send text messages, okay. use uh, get me around town via the GPS, and allow me to browse the web. Let's yeah. say I let's say I do that eighty percent of the time. Yeah, maybe email. And email, email would be the other one. So yeah. that's that's five applications. Okay. Right. 
And I would venture to say that those five applications for the average population make up 80 to 90% of the usage of the phone. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Throw in Facebook and, and you're at yeah, 95, you know. Yeah, easily. Yep. Maybe, yeah. and, and Twitter probably puts you at 98. Yeah, and Angry Birds finishes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the, the point is that I could spend, what, uh, a fourth of that and get the first five of those on most any other device. Yeah. And so why I, I would propose, and this isn't going to be some revolutionary statement, that most people buy the iPhone because lots of other people are buying the iPhone, not because they actually need it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, the, the reason there, – there, but there is a difference there. There is a difference between using those apps on an iPhone and using those apps on an Android device. The difference is getting less and less these days especially as pretty much every waking moment of every day I'm deep into the bowels of Android trying to make it do something or other. The, the UI is still not completely as, as coherent or consistent as it is on the iPhone, although much, much, it's much closer now. Uh, sure, but once I, once I overcome the initial... Figure the out how to do things. Yeah, the initial obstacles of understanding how to do something, from that point on, that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if I need to send a text message, oh, that's I click these three buttons and stick my tongue out, and I have the text message. Is that what you have right. to do on your crazy, <laughs> crazy phone? I don't um, know. <laughs> Just making something up. Yeah. So, but I think the so I would I would propose yeah that the iPhone for most people is a gigantic waste of money. Oh, I wouldn't say no to that. And and so it's a. The promise of the iPhone, if you watch their, if you watch the ads and watch Steve Jobs, the promise is that it's going to change your life. Would you argue that it doesn't? I, for, I would argue that for the average person, it doesn't. For me, it's been a revolutionary device. What I've been able to do with it and the things that, you know. See, I, I disagree because the, the worst name in the world is the phone part of iPhone. It's really I always on in my pocket uh, internet. I would argue it is revolutionary in the sense that, you know, a 16-year-old girl is going to use the heck out of the just wear out the SMS app or, or the Facebook app or whatever it is. And those things are really revolutionary, especially at the points where you're standing in line. You have all these little chunks of time that there's nothing else going on and you could be cranking on something. And a, a smartphone in your pocket solves that. Uh, we can argue. No, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that a smartphone doesn't deliver. Oh, just I'm the suggesting iPhone that the iPhone, yeah, well, for right. what it costs. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> for well, a minute I, there, I just said, well, you're wrong. Well, that's what I said. I think in your hands or in my hands, I think you're right. Yeah. I think for most people, yeah. they could do the same thing with a $150 phone. Yeah, true. maybe it's not as Maybe it's not as elegant, right? Yeah. But, but I could do the top five apps – I know you, you just can. mentioned. I know you can, but I think people want the ridiculous name and the the uncluttered experience. I think people buy the iPhone for the same reason people buy Nikes. Yeah, because because of brand recognition. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't I think. Go with that. 
I don't think it, I, I don't, it does. So let's go back through the list. Does it, does it deliver on convenience? Yes. Uh-huh. Does it save you time? It can. It can also waste time. Yeah, well, it usually does. So right, net, usually net, does. that's probably a, that's probably out. Right. Cost reduction? Probably not. Your Actually, phone bills, I think your phone bills go up. Does it, does it reduce your cost to operate as a human? Maybe. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, well, so, so time saving, it does save time in some, like, for example, uh, shared reminder lists. You know, I'm going to the store and my wife has populated my iPhone with all the things I need to buy. That's, sure. I mean, most of the time I'm sitting there screwing around doing things that aren't saving me time, but for the things that, oh, I don't know, she would have had to say over the phone to me and I would have to, like, write it down or something. That certainly is time saving. So, I guess you can't look at the whole, you know, usage of the phone as 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 the total amount of time because you right. do waste a lot of time. So let's take a, let's take another example. Let's take uh, applications like Salesforce.com, which are deployed by lots of companies. You love Salesforce. I, I love that company. Always have. Yeah. And I think I think the same thing. In large part, is true of Salesforce. There is there are companies and organizations that max that tool out. Yeah, and Bandwidth.com back in the day was certainly one of them. It was probably oh. the premier. Right. We, at Bandwidth, we used Salesforce more than anybody else did. In terms, this is them saying this to us. Yeah, in and terms this was of back integration, two thousand two, two thousand three, when they when were, they were really just, just coming on. Yeah, there are companies. However, I think most companies do not. If you were to ask them, you know, are you getting, is Salesforce paying for itself? Yeah. I bet most companies would say no. And I don't think it's a, I don't think the issue. If they answered honestly, you're saying. If they answered honestly. I don't think the issue is, I don't think that's Salesforce's problem per se. Well, it's their problem. It's probably not their fault. Right. Okay. That's a great way to say it. So it is their problem to solve, but it's not, it's, they're not to blame because somebody isn't using the application to the to the most that they possibly can, the the question then becomes, if you know company X bought Salesforce and they spend seventy or eighty bucks a seat or whatever it is every month, uh, and they're not getting they're not getting the things out of it that they thought they would, a lot of times the first response is, well, Salesforce sucks. Yeah, and. And what's probably more true is to say that Salesforce is probably not the right choice for you. Right, not a good fit. Right, and that, and it may be that it's not the right fit because you don't have the knowledge or the expertise to understand exactly what it can do, and you're not, and you may not be willing to hire somebody to tell you what it can do, or should do, or how to solve your problems. And furthermore, there are very few. I would argue there are very few partners in the Salesforce ecosystem who are interested and really good at solving your problem your way, using the application and helping you to get the most out of it. I think most of them probably come in, they listen to you, you know, wax <laughs> on about your problems for three or four hours and they propose some boilerplate solution yeah. that they've already got. They already know how to implement. They've got people that know how to do it instead of taking a customized look at it every time. Uh-huh. I'm sure anyway, that's all, true. All of this to, all of this to well, say that I don't know. It seems like there's this disconnect between what businesses and people that are not technology people 
what they expect out of technology and then what they get in return. I think that's true. I would say the caveat to this, to the Salesforce example, was back in the day when Salesforce was starting and bandwidth was a huge user of it. We used almost everything because there wasn't much. It's kind of like those days back, way, way back in the day where you could surf the entire internet from A to Z. I'm one of the very few people that's actually surfed the entire internet. Granted, it was in 1994, but, you know, there wasn't much there, so it was pretty obvious what you should do and what it could do. Whereas nowadays, I think, you know, S-Force is so, so big yeah. uh, that it, it, I mean, it, it's so malleable that now, and, and that comes with a cost, both yep. in the, your ability to find things and per seat cost. I'm sure it's risen. So maybe that's changed. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that it is overwhelming. Yeah. So it's because a, yeah. You have these you have these applications that can do anything. I mean, I would, uh, Salesforce is probably one of the I don't know, top ten applications on the internet, I would argue. Just in terms you could look at any of the numbers, subscribers, you know, revenue, whatever. It's a fantastic company. And except for the, you know, they're not profitable, but the <laughs> Let's let's just forget that. I think yeah. that's a, that's a choice they make. Not uh, it's not because they can't be. Clearly, they could be. Software is a highly profitable business if you want it to be. Sure. I think they're just they always invest a ton back into the back into the company. Yeah, they're looking forward, and the question is when do you when do you let yeah. off that gas pedal? And yeah. they haven't yet. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. And uh, and so I think you have all of these companies who here. You know, if you're an average small business owner and you ask 10 people, well, what's the best CRM? Six of them might say Salesforce. So you say, oh, well, if they use it, I could probably yeah, use it. Right. You sign up and then it's like, oh, I'm lost. Yeah, you're, get, you're getting at a, a key tenant right there. It's that, oh, everybody else uses it. It must be a great fit for me. Wherein, oh, everybody else uses it. I should just see whether or not it fits my situation. Two yeah. different things. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's right. I think the other thing that's interesting to me on this topic is, and it's uh, it's goes right alongside the these applications that per, are probably more complex than the average person. And I don't I'm not trying to demean the average person. It's just they've got other things to do. Yeah, there's people that are really great at building bicycles. I could never build my own bicycle. Uh, I would have to hire somebody to do that. So yeah. it's it's not that they are unintelligent it's just that they have other things that they're good at and and they may not include understanding how technology works yeah and so the other thing i was thinking about is just the overall lack of understanding of how to use the tools that everybody has so if i have a if i've got a macbook pro laptop and that laptop comes with you know, when you start, everybody talks about how OSX is so easy to use out of yeah. the box. And I think that's true. But to me, it's like the iPhone, where I can do the really basic things really easily. But if you really want to understand how it works and get the most out of it, most people would have no idea how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, yeah. I think I, you're right. I, I don't know why that is. But it seems, and uh, another great example for me is keyboard sh shortcuts in Gmail. Most people, I, I don't know how many people have Gmail accounts out of 10, but it's probably six. Yeah, but they don't know the keyboard shortcuts. They don't know shortcuts. how to use keyboard shortcuts. Well, they don't know they exist. 
Right, exactly. And they see the little thing, the little tickler up there from Google that says, do you want to use keyboard shortcuts? And they're like, oh, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, it saves you a ton of time just going through email if you know how to use the shortcuts. Yeah. So why doesn't the average person take the time to understand stuff like that? Is it that it's overwhelming? Is it that they just don't care? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think they, they don't care because they don't see how in the end that's a more efficient way to use things. They'd rather, you know, roll the mouse up to the top and click on inbox to get back to their inbox. It's just that's solved for them. They don't feel like hitting a key is going to be substantively better. I mean, I deal with this because uh, I've watched some people, you know, who are who are relatively light computer users, for example, move from Windows to the Mac and, you know, get going with Gmail and try to figure out Skype and all these kinds of things. It's very interesting to watch them because, uh, I mean, you know, if you know nothing about the computer, like nothing, like you're, you're uh, you know, grandfather, you're 90 years old, and you look on the keyboard and it says return, you know, what does that mean? Enter, what does that mean? You know, these things just have, they seem so totally alien. So yeah, no, I, I think the, the, the way that they're trying to tease that information, they're popping up a little, did you know, you know, you could do this or that. I think something that might be more effective in that is watching someone do it and hearing, yeah. hearing that, oh yeah, you just, press this or you just click that. I mean, everybody talks about how they're learning how to use Facebook from their 13-year-old, you know, niece or whatever. And and that's basically it because they've spent the time and you can see them fly around the interface. So you're like, oh, I didn't realize I pressed the little bar thing. This thing rolls out and whatever. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, that's, a great, that's a great point that you have. Uh, my in-laws were here over the weekend and it was my father-in-law's 70th birthday and he got a Kindle for his birthday. Nice. Yeah. Talk uh, about a talk about a non-intuitive device. Yeah, so that's got its own set of challenges, but he basically turned it over to my daughter who is 12 yeah. and said, "Can you set this up for me?" And she was she had it set up in oh, 5 minutes yeah. and had his first book on there. Yeah. And and it, so it was just you know, she has lived with lived with these devices, and she has one, candidly. But even if she didn't have a Kindle of her own, yeah, she'd be able to. It would have taken her no time to figure it out. Yeah, and and it's just it's a it's interesting for me to watch. Here's another great one that I ran into last week. I think the two more points, and then we'll move on. One is I'm shocked or amazed at how many people don't use the uh, the controller on the iPhone headphones. Yeah. To answer the phone, move to the next song, you know, turn the volume down, turn the volume up. Yeah. All of those things that you can do with within that one inch thing. It's fantastic little interface. Yeah. And, and most people have no idea that it exists. Yeah, yet they go and wake the phone up and then hit the next or pause or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They'll look, you know, they'll be driving and instead of just pushing the button and answering the phone, they'll look down at their phone, swipe it to turn it on and hit answer. Yeah, but that may be because they want to know who's calling. Maybe, but, but, you I, I, but yeah, I agree with you on the, you know, next previous kind of song thing. Cause that's where it's really tedious. It's a two button press. Yeah. It's like a double, double home hit. And then a, uh, you know, 
pause or next or previous or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's double home. And then if you've done something else, you got to swipe to the, you know, swipe yeah. over to the right to get to the volume or to change the track or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and so it's, but I was riding in the car with my wife the other day and a, the phone rang and I said, just, you know, why don't you just answer with your headset? She said, what? Yeah. And I said, yeah, you just, t- you just, you know, put, push your fingers together on that thing that's on your headphones yeah. and it'll answer the phone. And she said, oh, I didn't even know it could do that. She didn't know. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's just. Well, okay. So let me ask you this. How did you learn that that functionality existed? I just monkeyed around with it. You monkeyed because, because uh, that, I think that feature came to the iPhone by way of the iPod. The Nano and, and yes. the others, especially the Nano, the one or the the Clip, the one that didn't have a screen. The whole control was audio based, and then that little thing. So the the way that was introduced to the world originally was Steve Jobs trotted it out on stage and showed you. You know, he took took what was essentially a a big gaping hole. There is no screen, and tried to turn it into a feature. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, it's, it's more convenient. It's on your little he- headphone line and, and, uh, you know, you'll hear what the name of the song is if you want to know. Right. Um, so I think maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. And I think it's just a lot of, a lot of this stuff is convention and leftovers from prior lives using prior computers. Yeah. Things like using the scroll bar on the side of the window oh, inst- yeah. instead of using the mouse or the trackpad to scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I watch my wife, you know, click up and down in the scroll bar, and it, I just want to reach over and punch her. Like that's what you—that's what you have the trackpad for. Yeah, just you know, two fingers up and down. That's all yeah. you have to do. So well, much easier. Well, so what is she doing? She's she's following a script that is good enough. She knows yep. it'll work. You go over exactly. to the thing, it shows up. I hit the, you know, I hit somewhere exactly. down, and bam, the whole thing goes down. It's actually scroll bars you bring up is very interesting because you know the scroll bar the little icon on the bar goes the opposite direction that the text on the page is going to go when you scroll it. Correct. Um, that's a windowing. So, so then what people got used to doing is dragging the little indicator down. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, and then the text goes up yep. and then we got trackpads, and we followed the same convention. You push down text goes up. Then I think the last major, like uh, I think it was lion came out and and the default action was the opposite of that which yes. i would argue is correct from the beginning but the outcry was ridiculous yeah, all these people I, yeah when we started when i started using that i think it took me 15 minutes to get that yeah and it's just from then on it was just like oh this makes way, this makes way more sense it, it does but it was a painful 15 minutes and i it remember was. it well it was so yeah, i absolutely. you know old habits die hard i i can understand that Anyway. So I think you have. I think you've got people that don't like to tinker. They know what they know. Yeah. And well, and I do that. Come on, I don't know every every uh, keyboard shortcut to Emacs. No. I mean, I, I I know about twenty, and then they get me everywhere I need to go. And I'm sure there's probably better ways to do things, and I can turn on code highlighting. But you know what? I just never took the time to learn it. I know yeah. I would. We would be much more efficient if I did. But yeah. I, I haven't. Yeah, I think everybody does has their things that they've done that they you know they learned enough to get by. Yeah, and I think for some people that's a very that's a that's very little, and for you know for us who 
I guess for you and I who live on our computers and make our living on them, you know, there is there's a reason to invest a bit of time in figuring out how to use it better. It's like learning how to use a you know, some kind of saw better if you're a carpenter or whatever it is, you you really have to understand the tools if that's how you make your living. All maybe, right, that's, you maybe that's me the difference. Into it. You shamed me into it. I have to learn the Emacs shortcuts uh, better. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, you know what the other thing is? So uh, for those of you who are not up on uh, Unix geekery, uh, Emacs is a text editor. There is another text editor called VI or more recent version of that is called Vim. Uh, and it's been this historic rift in the Unix community. Some people use Emacs, other people use VI, and probably VI, I would think, is more uh, more popular. But Emacs, is, you know, it's really better, I would argue, as uh, a coding tool. They are both incredibly complicated. I am never going to spend the time to get up to speed on VI. Basically, what I know how to do in VI is move the cursor around and quit with and without saving, which yeah, are the that's most about all important I know. things. I know how to insert text. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, hit the colon, you know, WQ or hit the yep. colon W bang or whatever, yep. whatever. You know, and that's basically or... what you need to know. So that's a great little example there. I mean, Unix tools are, are notoriously convoluted and cryptic. So how do you use a tool tool that you only have to use, you know, begrudgingly in certain situations, the, the machine that you have is disconnected, and you just need a text editor to change the host file. So you can go out online and get a real text editor. Um, that, that's probably a little bit of a bias statement. But so I learn enough of of VI to do that. So maybe I mean, that certainly was the case with my wife on her phone before she got an iPhone. She knew how to do the things that she needed to do, and she didn't think she needed anything more. And I said, no, trust me, we're getting you an iPhone for your birthday, and we did. And she cannot imagine going back. You know, it, it would just be such a a, a drastic step down uh, that, that she would never – she used to – you know, she had one of those T9 things. Remember you had to like – type on the numbers to get letters and yeah, it was that absolutely. shortcut thing and it was and she she had that figured out i mean she could tear a hole through the keyboard and that was amazing <laughs> i could never you know i could takes me forever to type on that thing but but she was blindingly fast and didn't think she needed anything else so yep. what what was it that actually pushed her over the the edge I mean, had she known Facebook existed on the the phone and looked so good, and maybe that would have done, I don't know, but really what it was, was the thing died, and she needed a phone, and I would not let her get another phone that was not a smartphone. Yeah. And at the time, the iPhone was, she got an uh, iPhone 4S. No, her first one was a 3GS. Uh-huh. So at the time, there was no better phone to get, and, and we got that, and it's, so, you know, I forced her into it. <laughs> I also yeah. forced her into a Mac. And she doesn't regret that. Uh, I don't think. Maybe maybe she'll answer differently. We'll have to have her on and ask her. <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that funny. All right, so that is our show for this week. Uh, we we man, we covered a lot of ground right there. We did. We did. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, check us out online on Twitter at three fifty third, and also obviously on iTunes. You can download our podcast. We are also on Stitcher. You can listen to us there. And we, also, we always like hearing from you. Please leave comments either on the site in our show notes or on iTunes is even better because that helps us get the show heard by more people. 
Thanks for listening.